Welcome, everybody, to Spirit Addicts by Sideline Sports Network. Appreciate you coming and listening or indoor watching. Um, this episode and podcast is brought to you by Game Day Vodka. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. Great product. If you haven't checked them out yet, please do. If you have a Publix or a uh, ABC Wine and Spirits near you, they're sold in all of those stores. Also, you can go to their website as long as you're 21 years or older and order whatever you would like from there. We're going to be discussing Florida State. We're pretty much updating the season. Like the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, the the could be's, what could happen uh, for the rest of the season. What are we going to look like against Georgia Tech? What about Miami the following week? Is Syracuse seriously the biggest competition that's left for Florida State? Does that depend on whether Florida State comes and plays the game that Florida State can? Maybe we show up against Syracuse and don't show up against the Raging Cajuns. Depends on what consistency you have. So it's all up in the air as of right now. Not 100% sure. So that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. We're also going to be discussing Miami's uh, their short-lived or quick-lived uh, five-star commit that they just got. Look, hats off to them. I'm not going to knock them too much. But uh, the, the, don't be surprised in December when things start going the other way. Um, I told – I want to say it was two weeks and a couple of days ago, I told people that when Kamari put them back in their top three, whenever that was, I said he'll end up committing to Miami. And probably by December he'll flip to JSU. He's going to pull a Travis Hunter in my opinion. Could be completely wrong. I could be getting bad information. But I did get information that he was going to commit to Miami, and I did say that. So we'll see if the information about him flipping is correct. We'll wait till December to find out. Um, we're going to jump straight into uh, this this Georgia Tech week. We talked about it on the last episode a little bit. I did not give a score prediction. Um, kind of weird to start the show off with a score prediction, but I'm going to. Uh, my score prediction for Florida State versus Georgia Tech is uh, 47 to 21. I do think that we allow Georgia Tech to score three touchdowns because I believe by halftime we're going to be up 40 to 10 ish by halftime. That's hopefully. I'm not saying that we can score that many points. I just think Georgia Tech is that bad. I think we potentially score that much by running the ball down their throat constantly. So I'll let Taylor move on to uh, what his score prediction is, and then Chip will go after. Yeah, so really we have a game this weekend, 11 o'clock game, 12 o'clock noon Eastern time, and you're looking at the factors that go into it. So you see that Doak Campbell Stadium is going to be around 50,000, 55,000. You're, you're going to see some fans show up. You're going to see everyone still there and kind of committed to the program after losing three straight. Won't be as much as if you were able to kind of knock off the NC State and maybe keep it a little bit closer and win against Clemson, but you will see a sizable amount of fans there. I think there's going to be some excitement because this is the game that Florida State should win by. This is a 24-point spread at this point. The over-under is setting, I think, at about 59, so you're kind of looking at that that side of things, and you're looking at a Georgia Tech team that's bringing in Jeff Sims, who was their offensive leader. He's going to be possibly out for the game their head coach had already kind of alluded to that so they're going to have two quarterbacks in with Zach Gibson the uh, sophomore that actually started this past week against Virginia he had I think it was 10 passes for uh, 
10 for 25 and about 99 yards was not impressive at all. Kept getting a lot of pressure on him, and the offensive line wasn't really up to par. Uh, Zach Pyron is another guy that they're looking at. He's a true freshman. He actually, uh, this will be his first collegiate experience. He's going to get some playing time as well. So I can see where they can try to be able to generate the run game a little bit more. But, I mean, this is a situation where you don't have Jamar, uh, Jameer Gibbs anymore. So this is a situation now where you're trying to figure out everything that works on offense, and you got a new interim head coach, and he's trying to find his way into the offense. And You just lost to a bad Virginia team at this point. You're just trying to find your footing, and it's not going to be easy on the road at that point also, and you're trying to find ways to be efficient. Now, this defense does cause a little bit more havoc up front. I believe they have 15 sacks on the season. They have about nine interceptions. Their only uh, touchdown from this past week was the interception return for a touchdown. So you have to be mindful of those critical errors that Jordan Travis has been prone to doing during this losing streak. Now, I think he will get back under control uh, he talked about it in the media session. He's tired of losing. We're all tired of losing at this point. We're, we're on a three-game losing streak at this point. It really isn't expected how we were going to go. And we, we talked about this going into this three-game streak of ranked teams. We did not want to go 0-3 in this streak. This is a situation where you wanted to go 1-2 or 2-1 or even 3-0 and at that point. You did not think a loss in all three games was going to happen especially considering the circumstances of the North Carolina State game when their quarterback, Devin Leary, went down for the season. And then you brought in their backup quarterback that didn't even complete a pass. So there are there have been some miscommunications with this team. This team understands and needs to know how to win. And at the end of the day, this is a team that you're supposed to be able to win. Now, Florida State coming back before with Georgia Tech in 2020, they lost by three points. And then the time before that with the block, uh, block PAT or block field goal, excuse me, um, at, at Georgia Tech was able to win the game for them. So really, the last time we beat Georgia Tech in Tallahassee was 2003 when James was playing football here. So there's always a good situation that you have to get it out of it. You have to get this team back on the right track. I think a mindset of being after the bye week, I think is going to really help. Mike Norvell's 9-2 after bye weeks, after his games and everything. He's scored an average of 43 points a game. So there is expectations that he's supposed to score in this game. Against a lowly Georgia Tech team like this, I think it's going to be where Florida State's offense kind of comes out a little bit slower, but I think they pick up the pace in the second quarter and kind of drag this on uh, to the fourth quarter. And I think this is going to be a game where Florida State wins a total of somewhere in between about a 41 to 10 type of game. I don't think they're going to quite get to their average uh, points per game. I think it's like 16.6 per game. But I do think a 41-10 would be enough to get out of here, get ready for Miami for the next week, and get through that emotional kind of look ahead as we go through the next week. Chip, what are your thoughts? Well, um, right now we're a team searching for its identity. Um, you know, Bobby Bowden stated, you know, you lose big, then you lose close. You win close, then you win big. We're in between losing losing uh, small and winning small. Um. I was I felt really good about this team in the beginning of the season. And it's you know, it started with the Wake Forest game. Somewhere we stumbled and it's almost like the team was in quicksand. They're trying, you know, the the harder they fight, they they're still sinking. This Georgia Tech game is a perfect way to break this slump and for the our team to find its identity. We are gonna have to run the ball. Like Taylor said, and Chris, like you said, we don't have to run the run the ball down their throats. We gotta we gotta do what we were built on in our in our win streak, running the ball, 
and JTRAV operating off the run with the RPO and then being a consistent, accurate passer. You know, if you look during during the four-game win streak, he was, what, 70, uh, 70 75% completion percentage and only had one pick. Um, he's got to get back to that. He's got to he's got to find his comfort zone again. Um, our defense, like I don't expect them to show a lot of packages in this game, but we have to get pressure on the quarterback, which is something we should have did during NC State, and we did not do it during NC State, and that is ultimately what cost us that game. That and the couple of the boneheaded calls, but this is a perfect way for the, our team to get back in in the win column and build towards being bowl eligible for the first time in four years. Um, I predict the sc- I, my prediction for the score is 51-13. Um, I believe, you know, Norvell is going to trust Fitzy and Fitzy's going to, you know, come through with a couple of field goals, but then our offense is going to go lights out. And then you're also, our defense is, you know, going to do what they have to do, but during the second half, you know, they're going to get some give me uh, give me touchdowns and, uh, and points. But this is the type of game that our team can actually get its footing back in the right direction. Here's the here's the best part for the defense, even if he is limited, and he probably will be. He'll probably be limited, but Fabo will be back, so we should get some interior push on the defensive line, which would be great because. We've been missing that uh, since the first game of the se- or second game of the season. Um, it's not, you know, it's not great to go in there with no interior pressure. Um, Jeff Sims is supposed to be out for the game, correct? Yes. Their backup quarterbacks, nothing to write home about. Uh, but neither was NC State's backup. That's not anybody to write home about. But you saw that we played better defensively against Leary than we did against their backup. Mm-hmm. Because he had wheels. We we don't do well against mobile quarterbacks for some reason. Especially when you don't have that interior push from a Fabo or whoever your defensive tackles are. Uh, so a good portion for our defense. Look, this, this is the game where our defense has to have a coming out party. Our defense has to show up. Um, because like Taylor said just moments ago, Georgia Tech's defense isn't terrible. Uh, they have created turnovers. They do create, you know, situations where they get uh, a quick, quick three and out. They they do pretty good on the back end side. They're they are questionable in coverage a little bit, but they also do throw some packages together that confuses the quarterbacks. Because, and that's what I'm worried about with J Trap just a little bit because of the past couple of games. Um, we're throwing the ball where a receiver is not, and understood. This is a timing throw. It's not that the receiver is supposed to be standing there with his hands up. It is a timing throw. But he should have noticed on one of these passes, and I'm talking about the fade uh, to Micah, he should have noticed that his wide receiver was completely pushed off the route and never threw the ball. And that's my opinion. Also, everybody's coming down on the coaches right now about that that particular play forgive me for whichever game it was, but where we threw the ball to Johnny Wilson, Clemson, where we threw a fade route to Johnny Wilson three times in a row. Offensive coordinators do not call that three times in a row. 
Everybody can say that that's what happened, or everybody can believe that's what happened. That is not what happened. I ain't trying to throw tricks of the trade out there or say anything, but when you see the right hand of Jordan Travis go down twice, three times, or four times, those are all signals. He's telling his wide receivers what they're doing. Wristband, play one, two, three, or four. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. When he audibles back because he sees what he likes, uh, you have to execute the play. Look, the play was there on the fade route all three times. The pass wasn't there. And Johnny fell down on one of the plays, which was the last one, the last fade route. He fell down on it. So that wasn't JT's fault on the last one. But the first two, it was a bad pass. It was not a jump ball. It was lobbed up, but it wasn't deep enough nor high enough. So y'all say what you want. Criticize me if you want. Ridicule me. I don't care, but I'm telling you right now, that offensive coordinator didn't call that three times in a row. Um, and if he did, well, somebody needs to commit him because he's insane. Um, and the offensive coordinator is Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins. And I'm telling you, that play was not called three times in a row by that head coach. There's no way. Um, he did take the blame for it. And the good thing about this staff is they don't throw their players under the bus like other staffs. Uh, we have a staff that's down south of us in South Florida. They throw their kids under the bus. Um, that's the type of coaches they are. Um, I'm glad that our program doesn't have coaches like that. Y'all can praise Mario Cristobal all you want, but he threw all of your players under the bus last week. And maybe the players deserve to be uh, criticized and maybe they deserve to be gone after, uh, but not publicly, not to the media. That That's rule number one, man. That's You're going to lose the locker room. And I hope he does because we got to play him in two weeks. I hope he does lose the locker room. I hope that the locker room for Miami starts looking like Texas A&M. Be fine with me. It's not my fault you can't keep your shit together. I, I'm glad. Don't. Um, you, know, you can get it all together and start winning games after we come to town and win. Then you can start winning. I don't care after that. But, look, Florida State has a big opportunity right in front of them. They have a 12% chance to go 5-0 and in this five-game stretch. According to ESPN, 12% is not a high – that's not a high percentage chance to win five games in a row. Um, but here's the crazy part. It's due to one game, Syracuse. Um, Syracuse, we have, I think, a 39% chance of winning. Um, that's quite low. Uh, we are going to Syracuse. We will be playing in the Dome. Um, I don't know if we should be more scared of Sean Tucker or of their quarterback, which I never remember his name. Um, but he's a very mobile quarterback. He's very smart. He doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't throw He doesn't throw very many picks. He doesn't put his wide receivers in bad situations across the field. Um, I do think that they're the second most talented team that we'll be going up against this year. Um, and I think that that speaks measure. Now, if Florida State shows up to that game and they play the game that they played maybe against LSU or maybe the game they played against Boston College, or the way that they competed with Clemson for the last two quarters, um, you could come out with a win. You could squeak one out against Syracuse. The probability of that's not very high. It's 39%. So uh, Florida State's got to put on their 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 thinking cap, and they got to put on their armor, and they got to go to war when it comes to Syracuse in a few weeks. But before that, before we get there, I told you all this episode is going to be about an update on the whole season. So we're covering – a little bit of everything about everybody. 
Um, you know, obviously, if we would have won against Wake Forest and NC State or Clemson, but the two probable wins out of those was Wake Forest or NC State, NC State being more probable because we knocked the, you know, uh, starting quarterback out. We had them down 17 to whatever at halftime. We didn't. We got shut out in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, that can't happen against any of these teams either. Um, it's it's very important for Florida State to go in and and play from the neck up uh, against uh, Georgia Tech because penalties is what will keep Georgia Tech in the game. Bonehead moves will keep Georgia Tech in this game. If you don't come out and play your game and you start playing filthy where you start getting a bunch of laundry thrown, which is flagged, then you will allow them to stay into this game. You don't need that. Um, we are going to jump a little bit off of future games and past games. We're going to get a little bit into the recruiting measure of our two foes. Look, I'm only going to take one part of this, and I'm going to let Taylor take the rest of it, and then Chip can give his uh, thoughts as well. But what is Miami doing? Like, I – I don't care that you got a five-star cornerback uh, or whatever the hell he is. I, I don't care. Touche, man. Great job. Uh, but when you start putting props in these pictures with these kids, uh, like ACC championships, I'm going to let Taylor tell you one of the other ones, but ACC championship trophies that they've never won. They've never won one. Um, maybe they're hoping that the kids don't know that, but – They've never won an ACC championship. They haven't been good since 2001. They've had a couple of winning seasons, but and everybody wants to know, um, did they make the right hire? For the future of Miami, maybe. They might have made the right head coaching call. But Gaddison's garbage. He didn't used to be. 06-07, if we were in that year frame, you'd have had a good offensive coordinator. This ain't 06 and 07. Gaddison's a joke. His play calling is a joke. Um, don't think they have a very good offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator is not very good either. Um, and if y'all can say it's execution of players all you want, but it's not. There's some piss poor plays being called. Uh, so take it as you will. But um, I'm going to let Taylor tell you a little bit more about what props Miami decides that they're going to use that they've never won. Yeah, so we're just referring to the Kamani McLean. Uh, he was from Lakeland. It was a kid that Florida State had went after for quite some time. Uh, the communication had kind of slipped off a little bit more because we've already got three defense backs in this class. We would definitely take a fourth and take him because he is very, very talented. Um, Florida was one of the teams that I thought was going to kind of be involved with this recruitment, but unfortunately Miami kind of snuck in there, was able to kind of get into the mix. Um, Alabama didn't push as much as I thought they would. I thought they would push a little bit more than what they did. Um, I know that a lot of Florida uh, fans were actually criticizing uh, Mike Norvell and the staff for actually singing a happy birthday song to Kamani McLean, and that actually went viral on a lot of social media sites, and a lot of fans were kind of criticizing the staff for it. It's just how it is, man. It's just a happy birthday song to a prospect. I I don't really know how difficult that really is to understand. I mean, these kids are 17, 16-year-olds, you know, that really love the attention and really love the attention of the coaches that they want to feel that love and connection throughout different staff. So you see all these, all these different antics to be able to get those talented prospects in, but you also want to care for the kids in that regard as well. But just getting back to the graphic that Miami made, um, actually Hayes Fawcett made uh, for him, a recruiting designer that does a lot of these college football edits. 
And he was able to do an ACC football um, championship that Chris talked about. They've never won an ACC football championship since they joined the conference in 2004. Uh, they have a playoff championship trophy. Um, they haven't been to the playoff, uh, nor have they even sniffed the playoff at that point. I believe they were the highest rank that they got to was 11th, and they didn't do anything that year. They faltered right after they lost to Florida State later in the season. I think that was 2016, 17. Um and just kind of faltered away. So that's the highest ranking they've gotten in that regard. And then they got the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to the top cornerback in the country, and they haven't won that since 1987. Um, so, I mean, when you're looking at a list of achievements, I think that Mario Cristobal is an above-average recruiter. I think he's one of the mo- one of the better recruiters in the country. But the problem is, I think, is game management, as you saw with the two straight losses to Utah and, and just kind of the downward spiral of that Oregon program at the very end of the year – before he was hired on to Miami, you're seeing the, you know, disrespect, I guess you could say, in, in the game planning aspect of everything. You don't lose to Middle Tennessee State. You don't come close to losing to Southern Miss, who only has Frank Gore Jr. at that point. It's just a lot of aspects that go into it that you just don't lose to. You don't lose to a Duke at home by multiple scores. I mean, there's just different factors that go into it, and I think you just have to understand that, Crystal Ball has to understand that throughout Taggart's time here at Florida State, and I don't want to bash Taggart or anything like that because that's passes in the past at this point, but it's more of a rebuild than he thought at that point. And while Van Dyke is a very talented quarterback, they don't have a lot of quality receivers. Colby Young is a guy that they've actually added on to their rotation a little bit later. He's, I think he's got five or six touchdowns. Now. He's a six-five receiver that they really like. But Evan Gaddis, he loves to really, really run the football, and you can't be able to do that. Josh Gaddis, excuse me. And um, so you look at a guy like Kevin Steele at the defense coordinator spot. He's been kind of washed up at times, and he's been at multiple stops like Auburn and other places as well. And it's just not really a good fit for this program so far. Maybe they get it right down the road. I think he is the right man for the job, but I just don't know if anything's going to kind of hash out and kind of get in the better trajectory as of right now. I think it may take two or three years before that program gets back to being a nine-win team or, or somewhere on that nature because right now – and Miami fans can say they're going to go eight and four and do whatever, but they've got a, a tough task in front of them playing Pittsburgh, uh, Clemson, Florida State. You've still got some tough quality opponents on that schedule. So it's just a lot of things you have to go into. And this is just me speaking as just a college football fan. I want to see Miami being competitive against Florida State. I don't want to see Florida State just, I want to see Florida State going out there and blowing them out, but I, I actually want to see Miami be competitive. I don't really want to see them you know, go down the wayside and, and loses the program because we all know that if those big three programs, Florida, Miami, and Florida State are great in college football, that's what makes college football great, and that's what made it great in the 90s also. So you just have to really understand that as Florida State fans at this point and kind of go from there. My, my message is to the fans of that down south university. Y'all followed little Mario <laughs> – like he was freaking Jim Jones drinking the Kool-Aid and believing everything. Yes, he is an excellent recruiter, but he is a below average coach. Y'all would have been better off giving uh, Manny what he needed, but you didn't. You went after an, another you know, little shiny object. You got your Al Golden 2.0. Um. And also, if you're going to actually have recruits with uh, trophies and stuff, 
you might want to go to your trophy case and like dust off one of your big East trophies. I mean, I understand there's a lot of dust on it and stuff, but I mean, actually pose with something that you have. Now, as far as what Taylor said, like college football is always better when all three Florida schools are good. Um, I don't know what's going on with uh, these other uh, with the uh, the team in Gainesville. I don't know what's going on with uh, the team at uh, Dope Campbell 2.0. They uh, they keep chasing nice shiny objects, and <clears throat> they're calling plays. They have an offensive coordinator is calling plays that people are calling the plays in the stands when they see the formations. Um, any recruit that's worth his salt, I would run far away from Miami and as fast as possible. Like I said, I think Mario is an excellent recruiter, but he is a below-average coach. They got beat, outclassed, and outcoached by a better Duke team. No, flat out, Duke was a lot better. They, they can't even argue that. Southern Miss was a lot better. Middle Tennessee was a lot better. I mean, for for God's sake, actually, don't don't make up stuff that you think you'll have because there's a lot. There's plenty of other teams that are really really good that haven't sniffed the playoffs. Don't start posing with you know pictures of college football playoff. Yeah, Miami's Miami, man. They've been doing this. For years, even when they were good, it's just they've never let go of when they at that when they hit the first downward spiral that they never came off of. That's that's the issue. You were good in the eighties ish. You did some things in the nineties ish. Your biggest achievements in the nineties were knocking us off with a wide right or a wide left. Your biggest achievements in the the late two thousands we didn't have any. Uh, two thousand and one was the last time you were relevant. Uh, anytime you want to see highlights of Miami, you have to go get a VHS uh, to be able to see it. Um, it. It's just the facts. The facts are is Miami hasn't been good in two decades. And when I said that in the space on Twitter, we, we were good 17 years ago. Oh, excuse the hell out of me. You're three years away from two decades. Forgive me that I took 17 years away from you. Whatever it is, I don't care. Miami's garbage. It's a dumpster fire. Here's the thing that should be more concerning. Miami was able to land this five-star athlete after losing to a Middle Tennessee State this year, after losing to a Duke team. After probably They're probably going to lose to Virginia, and a lot of people think I'm crazy for calling that game, but I'm just telling you, when a team gets depleted the way that they did against Duke and a coach comes and throws them under the bus the way that they did, I don't know if they're going to play too well for that coach. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't play for his ass if he threw me under the bus. I wouldn't play for him. You got Miami kids out here texting their moms about, coach told me I wasn't no good. Coach said we were soft. Coach said we're trash. Coach said this. Coach said that. I don't know if those kids are going to play for somebody like that. Uh, I'm not stating that it's okay for these kids to be soft, but the times are the times. These are not the same kids that we had in the 80s and 90s. They are different. They need to be coached different. Um, 
Mario Cristobal had some success at Oregon off of a team that plays against not a whole lot of great talent. I mean, it's just the facts. He played Utah twice. He had two opportunities to beat them and couldn't. Utah comes to Florida, you know, years later or a year later, whatever it was, and Florida beats them, and Florida's garbage. Like, Florida's not any good right now. So, Florida should be the one that's most concerned about this recruitment. Not Florida State, not any, not Alabama, because Alabama didn't push for him, like Taylor said. Florida loses the battle to Miami, who comes off of – I don't know if Middle Tennessee or losing to Duke is worse. I don't know which one's worse. Honestly, don't. Regardless, both of them are really bad. So you lose to both of those teams – and Miami's still able to out-recruit you as in the Gators. How the hell do you let that happen? How do you let this kid go down south to Miami when they just had – or they've had two historical terrible losses in a program? I, I'm going to tell you this. Billy Napier is not a good recruiter. Um, he's a better ex than those coach. If you could combine Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal as one, might have a decent coach. Um, maybe Florida, uh, uh, the Gators in Gainesville and Miami, depending on which one crumbles first, and I, my bet would be on Miami. Maybe those two teams combined as one school. Maybe we can get the big two back. I mean, I don't know. Maybe UCF steps up and pushes one of those schools out. I don't know. I have no love loss for Florida or Miami. They talked so much shit all offseason last year. They talked all kinds of shit this year. They're continuously talking shit now, and they're going to continue. If they lose out the rest of the season, they if they end up with only three wins this year, they're going to tell you they're going to go 12-0 next year. They, it will come out of their mouth. They will say it. We are going to go 12-0. After, going, after Manny's last year being the garbage that they were, they preached all year because they got Mario Cristobal. They were going to go 12-0. and 0. Now they're at 3-4. and 4. Now they're telling us that they're going to go 8-4. and 4. I mean, that. look, I'll give them this. They're loyal as hell to that team. As far as their words, they don't show up to the stadium worth of shit. <clears throat> and even, even the uh, almost billionaire um, keeps talking about there was 35,000 people at that game. There was not 35,000 people at that game. There might have been 8,000, 12,000, somewhere around there. But 35, no. No, it's bullshit. Um, I will let everybody know this. I got unfortunate news um, uh, about work that I have to do. I will not be able to go to the Georgia Tech game this weekend. So I'm hosting a watch party um, on YouTube. Uh, basically, you all can see how I react to the game at the same time. You'll see game as well on the screen. Uh, so any of you, any of you that will like to watch the watch party with me while we watch the game together, um, feel free to. You'll be able to watch it on YouTube. It will not be going across Twitter, and it will not be going across Facebook. It will be on YouTube only. So you will have to watch it on YouTube with me, and we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully we'll get updates from Taylor, and we'll get updates from Chip. 
Good luck well, in the stadium. <laughs> what the indoor atmosphere feels like. After the game's fine, I don't care. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll update them as we will. But, Taylor, this is this is – look, I've got serious questions for Taylor when it comes to recruiting. Uh, he keeps up with it really well. Um, our 2023 class just lost Kearney to Florida, yeah. um, which we've expected for like the past month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we anticipated that Kearney was going to go to Florida for quite some time, um, just based off of Simmons and some other recruits that we've got. It just didn't make no sense for the young man to be here. Not on his behalf. It wasn't best for him. Um, and we have no ill will towards him. We wish him the best of luck. Mm-hmm. But then Miami just picks up a five-star, whatever he is. Yeah. Where can Florida State, without giving away – look, I was told – I was held to complete secrecy with three children. Uh, well, three young men. I shouldn't call them children. Three young men that are going to flip to Florida State for the 2023 class. And after I do the guesstimate of who they are and where they're ranked, if they do flip to Florida State, I have Florida State in the top 15. I'm putting them in about 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that Florida State will pull a quarterback in the 2023 class? I do. Um, I don't think you're going to quite see it on the board right now because you're looking at Avery Johnson, uh, the Kansas State commits uh, from Mays, Kansas. You're looking at some other pieces. You're looking at Emory Williams, the kid that we haven't offered from Miami just yet. He's from Milton High School. You've got some pieces there, but I don't think you've quite seen the offer go out just yet. I think they're going to actually offer a little bit more kids later on in the process. They may offer them during that Louisiana-Lafayette game, be able to bring them in for Florida, possibly a December official visit just to kind of fill things out. I think you're probably going to get a like even a Tate Rodemaker type where it's a productive three-star out of Valdosta. He had 7,000 7, total yards that season, um, was basically a high schooler. Um, that had his dad as his football coach. He was a very smart guy, and you were able to bring in. Now, of course, they brought in Chubba Purdy that was with that class as well, but I think you're able to get a developmental project and then also getting a transfer quarterback in the portal. I think that's very important that they get experience plus getting a high school recruit because you never know. I mean, uh, Jordan Travis actually alluded to this before, talking about all the seniors that were going to be there and their final five games and he said they in in that little uh, quote that he had. He may have misquoted and he may have still, you know, thought that it would be a, his last season at Florida State, but that's very encouraging. And I know a lot of fans are talking about Jordan Travis and his miscues and fumbles the last couple of games, but Jordan Travis is the lifeblood of this offense going forward. Now, the wide receivers have done very good for this team, but I think the quarterback position, especially at Florida State, after losing out on a couple of quarterback commits, like we played uh, – you know, we lost out on Jeff Sims, Nico Marchio, Luke Altmaier. You know, the list goes on and on. I can keep going. Um, and it's just a situation where Florida State has to step their foot on the pedal and being able to get some of these quarterbacks on campus, get them in. And A.J. Duffy is a big piece to this rotation, but can he be able to develop at an efficient level? And I think that's really key to kind of figure it out. Quarterback position is nothing to take lightly of because I think it is your lifeblood of your team. This is something Mike Norvell is going to have to be able to kind of go in and challenge himself. I think Tony Tokarts has got to develop a little bit more relationships to where he can develop those strengths and go through for future quarterbacks. But it's just going to be something that Florida State's going to have to work on. 
I, I'm, I'm just very – look, everybody, I'm very optimistic about what I've heard. I trust who told me what they told me. I think that who's telling me what they're telling me knows exactly what they're talking about. I think that there's too much room in this 2023 class for a few more players in key positions that we can land that we're, we're keeping tight. I don't know exactly why. We're not being vocal about it just yet. Um, maybe to hold maybe some other offers away. I don't, don't know. Don't care. All I know is, is I hope it works. I hope what we're doing works. Well, I did say I did. Uh, they did offer a unranked defensive end earlier today, Chamberlain uh, Campbell. Um, he's actually out of uh, Lakewood High School in Saint Petersburg, and yep. he's a guy that basically hits his first year playing football. And you know, Michigan State, Miami offered, now Florida State offered. At this point, he's six seven, two hundred and fifteen pounds. He's more like a Patrick Payton type deal. Uh, he's going to develop a little bit more in his size. I don't think he'll ever be a defensive tackle, but I. I do think he is a productive defensive end. He has five sacks on the season, seven quarterback hurries, uh, 25 tackles. I think he's a very productive guy. That It's kind of a low-risk, low-reward kind of thing. It's kind of like a uh, Jaden Jones uh, from yeah. high school moving over from Montgomery, Alabama. And I think it's kind of that that initial piece. I, I think that's kind of a backup plan if we aren't able to get a Reuben Bain or somebody like that, even a Jordan Hall. I think can be kind of a backup plan. You can get in during December. You can officially visit him and then be able to kind of get him to sign on the dotted line during December because he is an early enrollee at that point. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let everybody know this. If Florida State pulls off of this five and zero stretch, if we end up going five and zero in the stretch, mm-hmm. we have a huge probability of being in the Orange Bowl. That would be absolutely awesome. Come out a reward for the climb of this season, that would be one of the best rewards that this team could get. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that's being talked about a little bit in the locker room. I hope that these young men know that if you do come play your best five games and you win these five games, you could be very well into the Orange Bowl. And if we don't win the Orange – and if we don't win all five games, do either of y'all have a clue of what bowl we would go to? Let's say we go eight and four. Personally, I think that the most realistic mindset out of this is probably going to be going three and two in the stretch, getting seven and five. Um, I think, uh, you know, about a about a 40, 45 percent chance of going four and one at that point. And then, you know, five and five and oh is 12 percent at that point. You're you're kind of stretching for straws, I guess you could say. Now, I think this team can do it, but I just don't know if they got the quite the consistency for that now. If you're talking about bowl games, I would love to go to Charlotte and go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. I think that would be really cool in that regard. I think going back to that ACC championship type of vibe, uh, they've always treated Florida State very well in that climate. Um, You can always look at a couple other bowls in Florida, maybe even venturing out to California, maybe going to the San Diego type, type bowl games out there. So, I mean, just a new experience, getting a little bit more brotherhood and getting to see other new things that you don't really get to see a whole lot often. And, I think those those kind of destinations can be something that Florida State can go after. Maybe even a, a, the um, what do you call that? The Pinstripe Bowl in New mm-hmm. York. I mean, that could even be a cool thing to go to. I mean, that's kind of just some some brainstorming things, especially environments that the kids would enjoy. But also getting that new experience while also having a lot of practice times because those fifteen extra practices help. 
they yeah that's the thing the the, the biggest reason that i want to bowl this year is because i want those 15 extra practices i'm not gonna lie to anybody and it can keep that camaraderie with the team. you know we can keep up consistency we have that length of time for the team to to continue to mesh together, to work out their quirks. There's nothing bad that comes from those 15 extra practices unless someone gets injured, uh, which is very possible. Um, but we've got to quit looking at bowl games. If you don't make it to the playoffs now, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of teams look at bowl games as we're just going to – nope, even if they make it. I don't think that that's fair to the the – the fans, I don't think it's fair to the the advertisers that put the bowls on. It it should be what it used to be. It should matter to these teams to go to these bowl games and compete. I'm not sure, you know, like Miami last year, whatever year it was, they they just said no, we're not going. That's that's just, there's no class there. I, I don't understand that. Again, I'm talking bad about Miami, but. I, I will say this, and I, I know that a lot of kids are – it's it's a different stage, like you said, about, about all the kids being coached up a certain way. And you're looking at some of these opt-outs and different things like that. I know they're going to be able to be expanding to that 12-team playoff in a couple of years where you're not having these meaningless bowl games. But I think it means a lot to a Florida State program that's not really been able to get bowl eligible, get to those experiences – and you talk about the 2019 Sun Bowl, and we weren't able to cash in, even though we had six turnovers in that game. We were still in it. It was still efficient. You still saw people going out to El Paso at that point. Florida State fans travel. You know, they want to see that excitement. You saw the Boston College game. That Boston College team was not good. And we were able to get a sold-out crowd in that game and be able to be efficient. You saw the punt re- or kickoff return from Trey Benson. You saw the excitement light up in that building again. And that's the first time you've seen that since Notre Dame of, of uh, 2021. And uh, now when you look at everything else going on, you just want to see fans get some level of excitement. And I know that six and six is kind of a disappointing stretch here, but it is a bowl game and you do get that experience. I'm not saying that six and six is something you need to strive for because going two and three in this stretch is not good. And I will say that right now, but in a factor of everything kind of, kind of accumulating together, you need to see some kind of level of postseason success at the point. And if you don't, I mean, that's that's a failure. So, Absolutely. Look, we've got, we've got quite a few – how do I say this? Our recruits can take pictures with ACC championships. Mm-hmm. They can take pictures with a, a national championship that was won in the past 15 years. Mike Norvell has showed and the staff has showed that progress has arrived. It's here. It's it's not it's maybe as high of we had a bigger expectation on it than what we're getting, I think. But we are getting progress. Now the fans will I will give and tip my hat off to them. The way that we traveled to the LSU game down to New Orleans. That was a 50-50 shot. Baton Rouge ain't that far from New Orleans, everybody. So for the Florida State fans to show up against LSU the way that they did this year, I'm telling you, I tip my cap to you because that's awesome. And I think like Taylor just spoke about shortly ago, Florida State fans will travel. If we end up at a New York, P- 
the pinstripe bowl or whatever, I have a feeling that we will travel. We will make it to that bowl game. If we go to the Orange Bowl, obviously we're going to be there. I mean, Jesus, yeah. we have to. But I, I can tell you this. Florida State, and I've been hard on the fans for the past couple of years. I will, I will I, I'll hold myself accountable to that. I still think we can do better. I'm not saying that we don't travel well. We do that part good. But we can do better as far as NIL. We can do better as far as um, showing up and supporting the team, staying all four freaking quarters of the game. Yeah, We can do that better than what we have, okay? But what I want everybody to know, and I say this very easily, we have a better fan base than Miami does. That's for sure. We show up a hell of a lot better than they do. Um, I have seen less Mike Norvell calling for his job this year than I did last year. I've seen less of it, and I do realize that we started off 4-0 instead of 0-4, so that might have a lot to do with it. But the guys down there in Gainesville right now, I mean, it's not realistic for them to win out this year. It's not going to happen. The Gators are fixing to play against the South Carolina team. I think their record's better than they are, but I still think South Carolina's better than the Gators. Georgia team. No, no, I'm talking about after that. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, I know they're not going to beat Georgia. That's the biggest yeah. game of the world. But Yikes. South Carolina is, I think, like, again, I think that they are, they're not as good as their record indicates. Yeah. But I still don't think the Gators are good enough to beat them. And then after they play, they play Georgia at one point, which is next. Then they play South Carolina at some point. I don't know who's in between there. Then they play yeah. a small I think it's like year. South Carolina, Vandy, um, and then you also got Texas A&M and then Florida State. You, you, got some, you got some quality opponents in there. And that's why I also think, too, is like if they end up going – let's just say five and six before they play us, how much are they really going to be in with a new staff? Now we saw five and six Florida last year. Damian Pierce ran all over us at that point And, you know, we weren't able to stop anybody, but do y'all think that Florida state will be in this game? So let's just say if they go seven and four going into that game or even an eight and three at that point, do you think they'll wake up to, cause they're at home. It's going to be pretty much a sold out crowd, if not close. Do you think that they'll have the same inspiration rather than just fighting for ball eligibility like they did last season? Or do you think it's just going to be a, well, we've already reached seven wins or we've already reached eight wins or, you know, whatever the case is. And do you think that they'll kind of pack it up or whatever, or just kind of lackadaisically go through the game? Or what do you think is going to happen with that in that are scenario? You, are you saying that Florida State's seven and three at that yeah. time? Or you, uh, yeah. Okay. And then Florida would be five and six. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. I think it will tell the fans and tell me a lot of what I would want to know. So if I would hope that we play that game like it's it's just as important as any any game. I would hope that we play that game as hard as we possibly can and we play that game to win. Um, if we don't, I will be disappointed. I would be very disappointed if we don't play the Gators because we're already bowl eligible. Um, yeah. I, I would be disappointed, and, but – 
I would say we're going to play them just as hard as we do anybody else in this stretch. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's what I want to see. Um, it makes most sense. Chip, I, y'all don't know how to answer that question because if we don't play that game to kick their ass, I'm going to be pissed. Like, I'm, if we are seven and three at that point and we don't play them to win, I'm going to be, or, or eight and three, whatever it is, I will be pissed. But well, Chris, you know, it being a rivalry game and the, that big of a rivalry, that heated of a rivalry, you would, you would all, you automatically think they're going to show up and actually play. Like, they're, they're it's going to mean something to the seniors and the people on the team to beat Florida. Because we should have beat them last year. Yeah. If our defense would have stood up and stopped them at least once or twice, it would have helped. I will say this, too, and I'll kind of give a score update. Uh, Southern Miss is beating Louisiana Lafayette 20-2 to uh, at the, close to the end of the first quarter. And it's looking pretty rough for Louisiana Lafayette. I thought they were going to be competitive in this game. Uh, I thought their backup quarterback they brought in, uh, Woolridge, was actually going to be pretty good. But, I thought it was uh, going to be a spark. He's uh, they, he's got two straight wins after they put him in, but uh, it's not looking good. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. is having a field day so far, and they blocked the PAT and got you know two points out of it. So, yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation. I know a lot of people are kind of worried about them because they are a Group of Five team that has been dangerous in the past. This season has not been so great for them. Uh, I know Billy Napier moved over to Florida. And you're kind of seeing that growth and development. They were 13 and one last year, but they did lose Levi Lewis and a couple of those other guys that were in there. So some of those upperclassmen are kind of what needs to be done with that team. And you're seeing it now—the growing pains of of losing to uh, Southern Miss so far in the first quarter. Well, I would, I would, I would be lying if I said I was disappointed. I'm not disappointed. That's great. Um, yeah. That you know that gives us our fifth or sixth win, hopefully. Uh, if we if we don't do well in the first two, but um, I, I do have to update everybody a little bit on this. Uh, Mick and Opie 1851 and Made Equal Clothing Line have partnered up uh, to help diversity. We I say we because I'm still part of Mick and Opie 1851. Um, I haven't been able to speak much on uh, Mick and Opie. There's been a lot of stuff going on with sideline sports. TV deals, um, radio deals, stuff to that nature. So I had to take a step back because I didn't have the time to focus on it. So therefore, I wasn't doing any due diligence. Um, now that things have kind of ramped back down to where I can, I, I'm updating everybody that Mick and Opie 1851 is also coming out with a podcast to speak more on Florida State NIL to give you more uh, behind the scenes of what makes the players tick what gets the players going um, in NIL, uh, stuff to that nature. And, no, I am not the host. Um, I will put it this way. Spiratics fans, do y'all support me in this name brand? Hella good. I can't complain. Y'all do a great job. When I've tried to peel that over to put Nick and Opie in it, um, there was few that did really well. Um and there's a lot of confusion in the Florida State fan base that if you're a booster, you can't give to NIL. That's completely untrue. Um, you're going to see a lot of things coming out from Florida State University themselves. You're going to see stuff come out from the other um, NIL platform, and you're going to see it come out from Mick and Nopi. There's going to be a lot of videos that come out 
that tell boosters how they can give to NIL, how you can support NIL as a booster. So be on the lookout for those videos. Be on the lookout for the university to educate all the fans on how they can give to NIL uh, because it's very important. If you go to own three right now and you look, look, I I don't care if they're accurate to the dollar. I don't care if they're accurate to the thousand. I will tell you that Florida and Florida State, because Miami's a private school, they don't have to release theirs. And Florida, I think, is technically a private school, but they release theirs anyway. But if you go look at Florida players and you go look at Florida State players and you see what their average NIL deal is, that has a lot to do with Florida law. Florida State law is hurting this, but it's not all of it. Florida State players and Florida players are getting about half of what these other schools are getting, schools that are financially beneath us. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just a fact. The facts are – I don't like naming other schools, but there's other schools out there that are doing far better in NIL than Florida State is right now. And it's unacceptable. We have a better fan base. We have a larger fan base. We have a larger alumni. We have a larger booster group. We have more money than those schools do, and they're tapering their money toward NIL. I'm not telling you that NIL is going to save this program. That is not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is, it can crumble this program. You have to be at least good enough. You can't be one of the – we're 78th in NIL out of 131 FBS schools. That's shit. That ain't going to work. Now, I would say we would move 25 spots after the legislature changes in the state of Florida. We will be better, but that's still not good. That's not even – it's not even average. So that's – that's something that's got to be changed for this fan base, for this university. These athletes deserve it as much as the athletes anywhere else. There's there's no comparison to what we can do as fans and as a booster group and as an alumni association. We can do better than what we are doing right now. That is a fact. Um, we have local businesses that are finally stepping up in Tallahassee. They're doing what they need to. You can go on to the other NIL platform for Florida State, and they have their numbers up on their website of what they've raised over the past year for certain, like the softball team or for the football team or for whomever. And that's the full year. of The physical year is on there right now, and it's embarrassing. It's 100% embarrassing on what we've done as a university for the athletes at Florida State as far as NIL goes. So I am challenging the fan base and the and the boosters and the alumni association. I am challenging you to do better for these athletes. Otherwise, it will become a problem. It will become a big problem. The leak will be so bad that a plumber can't fix it. We will have to reconstruct the whole damn thing. We don't need to get to that. We don't need to get there. So – for the ones that are already doing well, I'm not asking you to pull more money out of your pocket or more of your time and energy. I'm asking you to spread that information, allow boosters to know that they can give to NIL. There is a structured way that you can give to NIL. It's 100% a fact. Quit hiding behind your booster. That's not an excuse anymore. That does not work. So do yourself a favor. Educate yourself. 
And if you need any help from me or any help from Micanopy or any help from the other platform, please feel free to reach out and we will explain to you how you can give and how you can do better. Um, with that, we, we wanted to have a tailgate this weekend. Um, it's hard to have tailgates at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I will tell you this. There is a devoted couple that he's the pre- him and her are the presidents of a South Carolina, I don't want to say the wrong city, but of a South Carolina um, alumni club. They are on lot 12 every week. They do some crazy things to make sure that they have not missed a game this year. That is including away games. They have not missed an away game yet. And they will be at lot 12 at 6.30 in the morning waiting for the gates to open up at 7. Please go by there and visit Jackie and Paul at the lot 12 tailgate. They have souvenirs and certain things that they're going to give out to the fans. So please make sure that you go by there. They will be there until 1130. Um, before the tailgate closes. So just stick your head in and tell them that you heard about it on Spirit Addicts. Um, I would appreciate it. Um, Taylor, let everybody know where they can find you. And if you've got any other points, go ahead and hit it real quick. We've got about three minutes left. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Norvell uh, Central and also on Twitter at Central Norvell. Uh, be sure if you need to go to the game, if you need tickets or anything like that to the Georgia Tech game, uh, tickets are going low as $8 on StubHub right now. You can use my promo code Norvell Central, or you can use Chris's Spiratics. And like I said, we're both SeaGeek ambassadors, so we're trying to help out as many people get to Doak Campbell Stadium as much as we can. It's an early kickoff, so be prepared. Uh, drink at your own leisure at 7 a.m., but once you get into the stadium, uh, it's going to be a, a, quite an environment there, so... Uh, it'll be hot and everything. Yeah, it'll be hot. So you might as well get it all out of your system before you go in there. So, um, but it was a great lap tonight. I hope everyone has a great rest of the night and go Knowles. Appreciate it, Taylor. Uh, Chip, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Unconquered850. You can also find me under on Instagram under Chip Westerly9. And also find me on Twitter, Chip Westerly9. I haven't tied in Unconquered850 yet. But anything I do, I always tag Spiratics in it. Appreciate uh, it, Chip. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Jackie, well, um, a lot, a uh, lot twelve. Yep. I appreciate uh, Taylor, and I appreciate Chip for coming on. Um, they're great co-hosts, great people to have on. What I want everybody to get out of this is, as many as I love you, that I get, I love all of y'all too. I love. I love the support that all of y'all give me. I love the support that you give Florida State University. I am not coming down on the Florida State fans for not knowing that they can help with NIL. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you can. Trust me, I haven't steered anybody wrong yet, and I'm not going to steer you wrong now. I want these athletes to be just as successful as any athlete in any part of this country. And we are a fan base than most fan bases in this country, if not the best. And I want to prove that in every way, shape, or form. I love all of you. This is the greatest Florida State page, the greatest Florida State podcast that you can get. You make that happen. That is the reason why it's great. I think it's amazing that y'all asked me for an autograph. I think it's amazing that you take pictures with me. I'm just a guy that loves this university with all of my heart. I love these athletes with all of my heart. I love all the fans with my heart. I love this coaching staff, and I love the administration 
I love everybody. If they wear garnet and gold, they are a brother or sister to me. So y'all have a good one. It's it's Spiritics by Savon Sports. You're messing up if you're not watching. Y'all have a good one. Go Knowles.